Well, hey, Gospel Hope family, it is good to be with you in this new year. Man, I, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm just happy to kind of breathe a sigh of relief that we have made it through 2020. Well, if you're new to Gospel Hope, what we like to do every January is what we call our identity series. And it's exactly what it sounds like. We take this time to remind ourselves of who we are. And this year, we're gonna be walking through in four weeks our mission statement, which is this, and say it along with me if you know it at home. Our mission statement at Gospel Hope is to make disciples who are growing in the gospel as a family while on mission. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at a key passage of scripture in the whole Bible. It's Ephesians chapter 4. And the reason why this passage is so critical is because maybe more than anywhere else in the whole of the scripture, Ephesians 4 unpacks for us the purpose of the church. So we're going to look at this today, and today I'm going to be sharing with you this idea of alloy. That's the title of the message, and I'll explain that in just a minute. So let's pray, and once again, ask for the Lord's help as we open his word together this morning. Father, would you open our eyes to behold wondrous things from your law? Would you cause us to see what we need to see and hear what we need to hear? Would you challenge us? Would you stretch us? Would you encourage us? And above all, would you help us to see that we are called to do this life together? You know, one of the most useful building products in the world is steel. And that's because steel is both strong and versatile. In fact, even though we can't see it right now, wherever you're at, whether you're in your home or in a building somewhere, no doubt there is steel around you supporting the structure that you are in. But here's the thing that sometimes we forget about steel. Steel is an alloy. That is, you can't find steel naturally out in nature anywhere. It has to be created. And the way that steel is forged, it is the combination of iron and carbon. And what happens is you bring these two things together using sometimes a technical and careful process of intense heat. And the result is from iron and carbon, you get steel, which is actually stronger and more flexible than the things that go into it. So why do manufacturers go to all the trouble of creating steel? Why take the time, the energy, the effort? Why create the process and raise the cost? Why not just use iron or carbon? Well, the reality is that steel is actually better or stronger than iron and carbon alone. I bring this up because I think it's an excellent picture of what the Lord has done in creating his church. You see, throughout the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul has been making a case that the church is composed of a ethnically diverse group of people brought together through the work of Christ. It seems that Paul is arguing throughout the whole book of Ephesians this, part of the church Part of the church's beauty is the diversity of its members. That is, Paul is saying that the church is stronger because it's an alloy, if you will. It's made up of different things, and those different things brought together are actually better than the original. Now look over in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 13 and 14 to get a little context. It says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, 
who made both groups, that's Jews and Gentiles, one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In, in other words, the church is the combination of these two distinct groups of people. Or again, a few verses later, verse number 17 of chapter 2. Jesus came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. In him, the whole being, building being put together goes into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in one spirit. If I could put it very plainly, it seems that the Bible's conviction is this. God's people are better together. God brought us together not to just kind of stick us in a room and hope things work out. No, God brought us together because he actually believes that his church is, is beautiful because of the diversity of the people he has brought into that. And what a needed reminder that is for us here at the outset of 2021. As we are all well aware, the events of 2020 have posed genuine challenges to the unity of the people of God. Politics, partiality, the pandemic have seemingly conspired together to divide the church. And yet our text reminds us of our calling very plainly here in Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse number 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. For this reason, our theme for the year of 2021 here at Gospel Hope is simply one word together. We want to be a church that moves forward together in this new year. In a world that is full of potential divisions, we want to consistently remind ourselves that we are together in the gospel. We are together as a family and we are together on mission. Or as we like to say around here, the Christian life is a team sport. That is, Following Jesus is a lot more like basketball than it is like tennis. We need one another to play the game. We are more concerned with the scoreboard of our team than with our individual stats. And we believe that when one of us succeeds, all of us succeed. Now, if you've been around Gospel Hope for any length of time, those phrases that I just said ought to sound very familiar to you. In fact, at the beginning of the message, I reminded you of our mission statement, that we exist to make disciples who are growing in the gospel, that's our relationship with God, as a family, that's our relationship with other believers, and while on mission, that is our relationship with the world. That is, a healthy Christian, a vital follower of Jesus, needs to be growing in all three of these ways. And so as we think about this, as we look at Ephesians chapter 4, these themes of together in the gospel, together as a family, together while on mission, are going to emerge time and time again. We didn't pull these words out of a hat, but rather we see them embedded throughout the whole of Scripture. And they really shine brightly here in Ephesians chapter 4 as the Apostle Paul unpacks the purpose and the function of the church. So what's my point? Where am I going this morning? It's simply this. We must follow Christ together. That's what I want to urge us to do as a family of faith, as the body of Christ, as brothers and sisters. I want to urge Gospel Hope Church not to pursue Christ as just individuals all kind of uh, going after their own things, but say, no, let us 
together pursue Christ in this new year. So you might hear that and you say, well, okay, Ryan, I, I hear you and I see that's what Paul seems to be arguing here, that the church is better together. But what does that look like? How can I follow Christ with other believers? Well, I want to unpack that in the next several moments here. So if you're taking notes, simply my heading is this, following Christ. And I want to give you three things. And if you're listening already, you already have the main points. The first one is simply this, following Christ, we want to do it together as a family. Look at the text. It begins with these words. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. In chapter 3, Paul boldly announces that the church is the combination of non-Jewish and Jewish believers together into one body. It didn't matter what your starting point was. If you trusted in the gospel, in the work of Jesus Christ, you now are a co-heir with Jesus himself and you enjoy the full rights and standing as an heir with Jesus. Then he says this, walk worthy of that calling. What does that mean? Well, it's as if Paul is borrowing a sentence from that timeless theological treatise, Spider-Man. You know the phrase, if you're familiar with the story of Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. You get the idea. When you're given a gift, when you're giving something great, then responsibilities come with it. And that's what Paul is saying here. You have been given this great entrance into the church. You have been made a joint heir with Christ. You have been given a family. Now, walk worthy of that gift. Let me further illustrate, possibly to drive this home a little bit more. Uh, one of the most recognizable and iconic uniforms in the United States is the dress blues of the United States Marine Corps. Uh, if you see one of these uniforms, it's, it's immediately, you know that person is a Marine and that they are supposed to abide and live by a certain code of conduct. Marines have a reputation to uphold. Uh, well, let's say that you saw a person in their dress blues walking in a public place and all of a sudden a small child became beside them and they tripped them. Or there was a senior citizen walking across the street and the Marine pushed them out of the way. You would be appalled. Why? Because that doesn't fit with the Marine's brand. In one sense, you could accurately say they weren't walking worthy of the uniform that they were wearing. I think in an infinitely greater way, this is what Paul is saying here. If you are a follower of Christ, you should be known for a certain code of conduct. You've been invited into the family of God. You've been made a participant in the body of Jesus himself. And therefore, Paul says, walk worthy of that. Live in a particular way. And then in these verses, he spells it out very plainly. Look again at verses 1 and 2. I urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In other words, believers should be known for their gracious treatment of one another. They should treat one another with love. Or as Jesus himself said it back in John 13, verse number 35, by this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
Now, I'll be honest with you. That, that verse has always been striking to me, a little bit surprising, actually, because it doesn't say, by this will everyone know that you're my disciples if you have love for them, if you love the world. It actually says, by this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, that certainly doesn't mean that believers in some way should ignore outsiders or not care about those that don't trust in Jesus. In fact, the opposite is true. The Bible time and time again says that we should love the world and love those that do not know Christ in hopes that they would come to know him. And yet, time and time again, the Bible emphasizes this idea that Christians should love one another supremely. Well, why is that the case? I think this emphasis is in the scripture because when believers love one another well, the world actually has to stand up and take notice. That's exactly what happened in the book of Acts when the early church was started and shortly after the day of Pentecost. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse number 44. Now all the believers were together and they held all things in common. They sold their possessions and their property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. Simply put, they loved one another. They cared for one another. They met one another's needs. And what happened as a result? Verse number 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. As the believers showed this countercultural, amazing love for one another, sacrificing themselves for one another, giving of themselves for one another, those on the outside had to take notice. They looked at that and they basically said, sign me up. I want to be a part of that. As counterintuitive as it may seem, one way to love outsiders is by loving one another. So here's my encouragement to you, Gospel Hope. Let's be a group of people who loves one another well. Not simply so that our lives are comfortable or so that we have good friends. These are blessings and they're great things, but I want to urge us to love one another so that the world will see the authenticity of the gospel. So when somebody in our church succeeds, don't be envious celebrate with them. When you have a difference of opinion, don't judge harshly. Give the benefit of the doubt. When someone pushes your button, I'm sure that never happens here at Gospel Hope. We have only perfect people in our church. Whether they do it intentionally or not, don't jump down their throats. Be patient and bear with them. Let's be quick to encourage, quick to forgive, quick to express gratitude. Let's be slow to complain, slow to hold a grudge, slow to tear down. My prayer for our church in 2021 is this, that our love for our brothers and sisters be a reflection of God's love for us. May the world look at us and see, man, they love one another so well. There must be some explanation for that. There must be some engine driving their love for one another, and that engine is the love that God has for us. Let's walk out our Christian life. Let's follow Jesus together as a family in 2021. The next thing I want to point out is 
Ephesians 4 not only tells us to live together as a family, but also to live together on mission. Uh, we have a shared mission that God has given us. So what is it? Well, verses 4 through 6 uh, really give us what I would call a basic statement of faith or a creed, if you will. Maybe you've heard of the Apostles' Creed. This is similar to that. It's a short summary of what Christians believe. We'll get to that more in just a moment in our third point. But kind of as a little aside during the statement of faith, Here's what it says inserted right in the middle of it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 4. You were called to one hope at your calling. So say that with me. You were called to one hope. All right? Get ready for this. When I do this, you're going to say hope. Our name's gospel hope after all. So I have to emphasize this point. In other words, when we, are, when we become a follower of Jesus, we share a hope. Or if I could put it another way, all who trust in Christ find their hope in Christ. That's why you came to Jesus in the first place, is it not? You came to Jesus because he gave you hope. Hope that you could be delivered from your sins. Hope that you could live with him in eternity. Hope that your heart could be transformed. Hope that you could hear from him in his word. Jesus came to give people hope. And this is such a good word for today. There is no question that one of the greatest needs in our world right now at this present moment is hope. And praise the Lord, because of Jesus, hope is a commodity that believers ought to have in spades. Just let the word of Scripture kind of wash over you. Here, here's what the Bible says. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Or 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 16. God, our Father, has loved us and has given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace. Timothy or Titus chapter 2, verse number 13. We wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 19. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. And finally, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 3. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And friends, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Time and time again, the Bible holds out the promise of hope to us. Hope is available because Christ is our atonement. Jesus went to the cross. He lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died. And he rose victoriously in our place in part to give us hope. Jesus, in one sense, is the spring from which all hope flows. And if you've tasted that sweet water of hope, if you have been one who have drank deeply of the hope that Jesus alone provides, then you and I should be people who are eager to share it with others. In fact, the Apostle Peter says exactly that over in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 15. In your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy. 
ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And to put it very plainly, followers of Jesus should be brokers of hope. And remember, we do this together. This is not a solo project. It is one hope. The truth that Jesus lived and died and rose in our place should be in our hearts and be on our lips. Oh, may God make it so where folks in Gospel Hope Church are earnestly and eagerly and regularly sharing the hope that they have been given through Jesus in this coming year. Third and finally, we don't just live together as a family and together on mission. We live together in the gospel. So let's go back to verses four through six. Here's what it says. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in all. As I said earlier, this is essentially a, a brief statement of faith or a creed, if you will. <clears throat> it's an expression of the basic beliefs that all followers of Christ share. Notice all the ones, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. You know, it, it's something that we all have together. All of us put our hope in this one thing, these one set of truths. And while there are certainly much more that could be said about biblical Christianity. There, there are books and treatises and docu documents and long statements of faith that are laid out. You could say so much more, but you really can't say much less. What I mean by this is that true followers of Christ are united by a common commitment to some foundational truths. Again, this is such a timely reminder. We, we live in a world right now where there are dozens of ideas and thoughts and concepts that threaten to divide the members of the body of Christ. This short little statement of faith, these two little verses, reminds us that though believers may not agree on how they should vote or how they should think about the pandemic or the best strategy for things going forward. Believers might be all over the map on that, but in spite of this, believers are united on the most fundamental things. Though we are from different backgrounds, though we have different experiences, though we even have different opinions, all believers have Christ in common. And according to the scripture, that is enough. According to this passage, all who believe the gospel are members of the same body through the work of the same spirit. We share in the same hope purchased for us by the same Lord. We cling to the same faith and are united by the same baptism because we worship the same God. As a church, my desire for this coming year is that we would dig down deep into the fundamental things that unite us. It's fine. It's even healthy to discuss and debate and even disagree about other matters. But in so doing, let us be reminded that we agree on the most important things. We are united on the word of God, that it is truth and it lays out for us how we can have a relationship with our Savior. At the end of the day, brothers and sisters, these are our people. We may have differences of opinions on a host of things, but we don't agree on everything, 
but we do agree on the most important things. The goal, the goal of the church should be deep unity based on truth, not superficial uniformity based on appearances. So let's be a church that says this, this is what we agree on. We are together, we are together in the gospel. We have been united by the work of Christ and we believe fundamental things to be true. And, and people in the world, they may share my blood, they may share my DNA, they may be my biological family. But if they have not trusted in Jesus, I have far more in common with those who have trusted in his work, are committed to his word than I do with anyone else. We are together because we believe that God has spoken through his word and he tells us that we may know him in it. So you hear all that and you might ask, okay, Ryan, I'm with you. We, we need to live Christ. We need to pursue Christ together. This is a team sport. This is something that I can't do all by myself. And I need to be together as a family. And I need to be together on mission. And I need to be together in the gospel. But what does that look like tomorrow? I mean, we're just kicking off a new year. And right now it's Sunday and we're hearing God's word. And yeah, I get it. And I'm on board. But what do I do Monday through Saturday? Well, let me give you three practical suggestions around those three points. Um, I, I want to just say it very simply. I want to encourage you to grow inwardly, grow outwardly, and grow upwardly. You say, what does that mean? Well, it's again, these idea of gospel, family, mission. So let me start with the first one in the first point of the message there. As a family, grow inwardly. Make relationships a priority. Uh, I just want to say that is so critical, particularly in this year where it's been very easy to drift in our relationships. There's been a lot of challenges that make getting together with other believers very, very challenging. But let me urge you, however you can do it, apply your creative mind to it. Make relationships a priority. If you haven't gotten plugged into a community group, now is a great time to do so. We'll be relaunching all of our groups in the next couple weeks, and we want to invite everybody who is listening to the sound of my voice to get involved. For us at Gospel Hope, intentionally spending time together is an important part of how we grow. It's not icing on the cake. It's the cake. If you'd like to learn more about that, let me encourage you to follow the link below, and that will point you to our community groups page where you can get plugged in and know how to be involved in groups. Second thing is this, grow outwardly and we'll pursue the mission together. Listen, we talked about this idea of hope and I want to ch- poise this question to you right now. Who in your life needs some hope? Just start to think about the people in your life that are in need of hope. Can I encourage you to begin to specifically pray for someone by name who needs to hear hope from you? this coming year. In fact, right now, I want you to pause and just take about 15 seconds to pray for that individual by name who needs hope in your life. Let's pray. Amen. Third thing is simply this, grow upwardly. That is in the gospel, in our relationship with God. You know, possibly the greatest single thing that you can do to grow in your relationship with the Lord 
is to read the Bible regularly. I know that sounds so simple, but it really is true. If you will regularly spend time in God's Word, it will have a profound impact on your life. As a church, we're trying to do that together this year by using a plan that goes through the whole Bible in 12 months. Uh, you can find out more. There's a link right here below, and we're using the Bible app, and we're going to be reading it together as a whole church family. By following that link, you can either download a hard copy if you just want the paper in your hand, or you can join the app and get signed up on there so that you can begin to read the Bible together. Um, you might hear that and be a little intimidated by that and think, oh, Pastor Ryan, I, I, I've never had a regular time with the Lord. I mean, sounds good. Or maybe you've started having a time with the Lord before and struggled to be consistent with it. Well, here's the good news. Um, starting on January 6th, Wednesday, January 6th, Pastor Rod is going to be teaching an Equip Online class that we are calling Together with God, Habits that Help Us Grow. And in that time, Pastor Rod is going to be sharing some strategies, some techniques, some practical tools and suggestions to help you to get time with the Lord on a regular basis. Now, right below in the comments there, you can sign up and register for that class right now. We'd love to have lots of you join it. It's an online class. Pastor Rod's going to be really helping us think through what a consistent time with the Lord might look like. Gospel Hope, let's make 2021 a year of growth, but not just as isolated individuals, not as a whole bunch of individuals performing well on their own. Let's be brought together. Let's grow together because we've been allied. We are better together. Christ has brought us together so that we could pursue life in the gospel as a family on mission better than we can do it all alone. Let's be a church that diligently strives to be together in 2021. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the work of Jesus and that he invites us into this wonderful life of embracing him with our family of faith. Oh, Father, would you help us to be a church that really does grow in the gospel as a family while on mission? Lord, make it so. Blow our minds with what you're going to do in this coming year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.